0: Hurricane cleanup in the American South continues and won't be done anytime soon. Much of the cleanup and relief has been given by volunteers. Today we have a presentation by Jean Maurer and Janet Fisher, two members of our congregation here in Delaware, Iowa, who went to Louisiana with the Red Cross. They share their experiences, joys, and frustrations. This presentation was given before an audience and recorded live, so you may have some trouble hearing those who are not sitting near the microphone who asked questions. I apologize for that. But the sound is usually good on the answers and the rest of the presentation.
1: If you notice on the side of that herb, it's a thing just like an ambulance inside. It's an emergency response vehicle. If you notice that one says Casper, Wyoming. One of the first things they call out on all of these is the herbs from all the different chapters, as many as they need from over the U.S. Uh, when I was in New York, there was between 70 and 90 herbs running around up there. Now, I didn't see the herbs running around down here because... It, park where
2: I <laughs> they were all was at. They were
1: work, yeah. I went, went in herb the first to, to New York, but I went in family service this time. But uh, that's what they feed people in or from out that window right there. You know, total strangers. You jump in a car. I was going over to Walmart uh, the day I was going to fly out, to develop some film. And you had to cross a lot around behind a Lowe's at the Walmart store. And I was a puttin' along by myself and this man pulled up in the car and he said, would you like a ride? I looked in, he's got a red cross thing on, I jumped in. I said, now when else would you jump, or when else would you jump in with a total stranger that you don't know where he's from, who he is, or what? And he drove me right up to the door all by myself and let me out. And of course, we passed back and forth where we were from and who we were. But um,
3: did you have a uh, something on you to identify you as? I had taken
1: mine off, but he could no. tell I had just left when you left the uh, fight, You took off your badge. Otherwise, people come out and bug you and ask you questions that you can't answer. <laughs> and you were know, welcome prepared. So, you know, here I was, all by myself, gray-haired lady, jumping in with a 26-year-old, <laughs> heading to the mall. Did <laughs> they No, couldn't even remember anymore. Jean, what did, you said you were... You I was interviewing people. Okay. And uh, then...
3: We Explain gave, what were, I mean, what was your purpose, what were you, what was your job?
1: Okay, we uh, had set up on a, the airport parking lot. And we could get Kenner, which was right next um, Met- Kenner, Mattery Kenner in New Orleans. It would be like the, Kenner. I don't know, if you're a right next door. I, don't tell. <laughs>
2: Somebody brought I got a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I got one of those You were
3: interviewing them
1: for Wait, the, and uh, the, uh, then they got a check. They had tried um, Western Union on the phone lines, it all bogged down. Uh they had tried handing out like a you know, a debit card thing to people that was when they'd left, but people were getting knocked out and taken away from them outside. So that didn't work. Security brought a man back in, blood running down his face, that uh somebody took his card when he when he left the building. So they did away with that. And in the South, most churches uh have a school because the public schools are poor. This one, uh, Saint George's Catholic Church, where I stayed for a little while, had a, a high school and everything. And when their kids were born, the people that belonged to that parish entered them in school, so they'd be sure to have a position in the school. And we lived in a uh, their fellowship hall. Um, not eighty-two times. Uh You had about. Uh, it was supposed to have 24 inches between pots, and so we were in there pretty thick. But anyway, uh, the people in that parish, uh, on different nights, were down, and they would bring in the meal. And this man was cooking in that. It's a jambalaya pot. It held 15 gallon. That would be like three five gallon buckets in that cast iron pot. And he had that thing full when he got uh Done and his son, it looked like they were using an oar, practically, to stir it. It was a big, long-handled metal thing that had been made for the purpose. But some, uh, they'd be like five families, maybe down for that meal that particular night, some would bring in the bars and desserts and salad and order the main dish from someplace, and some of them came and actually cooked it up in front of us. There. So
3: those people, did they have were they, or Was that kind of a safer area? This, uh, yeah, it was out further. Okay, they yeah. didn't have no. actual damage. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So, I mean, they were okay to bring you
1: stuff. Uh-huh. The first, or one of the first tents that was, big tents that was set up was out by Lake Pontchartrain, and it was originally set up to house all the electric workers. And here's a picture of the, the cots in that tent out there i never stayed in that one did you stay in that the tent was gone probably by the time you were there too because it was it was going to be taken down but uh when they came then along with that the southern baptists have big they look like vans or uh semis you walk in one end and out the other but there's showers but i think there's three or four showers in one isn't there There there's three and three ladies yeah uh, and they're portable showers. They bring their own generator. And uh, sitting out on the lawn, here's a sink and a mirror, and it would be enough to fill a semi. They just slid this unit out and set it on the ground, and then they pumped water to it and all. But the Southern Baptists are so set up to help for disasters. Uh, some of them come and uh, go through and clean you know they actually scrub down the walls and that kind type of thing for people. but uh, they come from all over the us to do that sort of thing. Now, if you look to a little bit to the right, you'll see one domed building out the window. Most of my pictures were taken out of the car window. But you see a little dome building clear back there, clear at the side? Yes. Sort of down to the front, clear? Yeah, okay. Well, I got proof. That's the Capitol, uh, at Baton Rouge, and my nose is bigger than the Capitol.
3: Well,
1: <laughs> oh, here was our, one of our, uh, that was at St. George's. We had, uh, with the, the 80 people, we had, the th- there were three, two sinks, and three stools and no showers. So, out in the parking lot, they set up that hazmat tent for a shower. And it didn't have hot water, but you got to remember it's 90 degrees down there by day, so it wasn't cold. I mean, it wasn't what you'd do at home or what you'd prefer, but you got a shower anyway. And then, if you didn't like that, uh, Budweiser had a distributing center down the street which had shampoo and everything right in the shower. They furnished the towels and all and all the free beer you could drink. So you could imagine where most of the showers were taken. How long, did oh, well, how long did
3: you stay there?
1: <laughs>
3: well, I had one guy that almost
1: decided that he might decide to quit uh smoking, I think. I snore rather loud. I didn't know this till after we were gone, but I got designated as a snorer and so when I later was in a Baptist church, we were in their Sunday school rooms, and the big one, or the main room was a little bigger than this where a majority of the people were, but there was this little room off to the side. Well, I had the Hilton, because I moved in there by myself, due to the fact that I was keeping people awake snoring. (laughs) Well, all of a sudden, we come back one night, or one afternoon, and here's another bed moved into my quarters, and I think, oh, this is interesting. And I could tell it was a boy, or man, because just the stuff that was laying there. Well, 10 o'clock came, and the lights go out, and nobody's in the bed. Didn't think too much about it, and all of a sudden, about 3 in the morning, I hear somebody snoring over there. I have a roommate. Turned out it was Jeff. He was a black kid, probably 25 to 30, from uh, Topeka, Kansas. Well, the kids, the younger people, you know, when you're done at 7 at night, they got to do something for the evening. You know, I was happy to land and recoup in that time you get to that point. Some of you younger ones will realize <laughs> Anyway, when he came in at about 10.30, he had taken a shower, and then he went outside to smoke. Well, he got locked out. And he tried on his cell phone to get the shelter manager, and she didn't answer. Either her phone was turned off, or she was sleeping so soundly she didn't hear it ringing. Well, he pounded on that door because a lady from from FEMA was in there, and she was in an office right near the back door, and she'd always be typing till 12.31 o'clock in the morning on papers and reports. The next morning he said to her, how come you didn't let me in? She said, well, I heard you pounding, but I'm not allowed to let anybody in. Well, he walked around to the other side of the building to tap on a window to attract attention, and he did. The cops caught him, and he got hauled off to the precinct until... They finally roused the lady in our center to vouch for him that he did belong there, and he got back in. And the next day, he rode with me to uh, Baton Rouge, and I said, "You know, that could almost make a person decide to quit smoking." (laughs) 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 I had a uh, one more, and then I'll jump. We had when our cops were there. Some people had air mattresses, and I woke up this one night, and here sat a pair of eyes about this close to me, and he says, I fell out of bed. The air mattress was probably 10 inches wider on both sides than his bed, and he turned over in bed, the mattress went like this, and it was standing behind him, and when I realized and woke up, all he'd had time to do was to get from that lying down position to sitting up, and he was just nose to nose to me saying, I fell out of bed. He was a young black guy,
3: too.
1: <laughs> um,
2: I guess we were down there a week at the same time, but we didn't realize it until we got back. But, uh, so I was standing at a shelter, um, Susan Park Rec Center, big gymnasium, uh, had a couple offices, uh three toilets for men and women. Uh, so they sh- set up a, a little semi-trailers outside for showers, I first got there, it was cold showers, but, like, after you worked hot all day, it wasn't like jumping into a cold swimming pool, but you got, you got used to it. We finally did get hot water, and then I thought, this is too hot, because you couldn't regulate it at all. Um, but uh, there was about 60 people in that shelter. When I got there, when I left, there was about 160 people in that shelter. They were closing some of the other little shelters, uh, sending everybody there. <clears throat> so it, and so then they brought in another tent uh, showers. Um, My job was to go in the herb, the emergency response vehicle and serve the meal. Um, The people that cooked the meals were Baptists. These were Arkansas Baptist people. Um, They rotated about every two weeks there. Um, I guess the guy in charge, he, he would like be there and then go home two weeks and come back and, you know, just alternate with somebody else. But, um, I'm not sure how many meals they were cooking when I got there, but they were up to about about 5,000 a day by the time I left. And by the time I left, they were going to be serving <coughs> that kitchen along their mil millions meal, was thought a million meals. <clears throat> what did they serve for food? Uh, it was all pre-cooked food. It was open <laughs> cans like vegetables. Uh, they had steamers to cook the vegetables in. They had convention convection ovens. They would heat up like frozen hamburgers, uh, minute steak, uh, they had chicken chicken tender type things. But all of it was frozen and pre-cooked and they just had to you know, get it hot. Um, so then we'd pull our herbs in. We had a big parade every morning. I guess the kitchen weren't supposed to do parades, but every morning all these herbs would parade down the street. I'm here somewhere. So uh, all the way from our shelter to where the kitchen was at the Baptist Church, and then uh, we'd load water and snacks in the back, and then we'd pull up and load up the hot camera. It's like a cooler, thermos type thing that kept the food hot. And we go out and dish up the food, and we my one servant serving it to the people. <laughs> yeah. um, these are just some other people I worked with. Uh, dispatch. I the first week I was there, I just kind of sat back and do what they told me to do. The second week, I said, well, can I do this? Can I do this? So I got to work in my yard one day, yard dog. <laughs> um, worked with some guys there um, that was loading the trucks and unloading the semis and supplies as they came in. Um, I also got to drive a box truck one day. And the last day I was there, I got to actually drive an herb from one parking lot to another. I wasn't officially certified yet because I hadn't taken the herb test, the driving test, but... The guy said, well, I'm a certified herb guy, so he didn't let me drive it from the parking lot to the other one. So I'll pass that around. But that's kind of what I did.
3: Uh, Janet, I was going to ask, uh, what did the people, that the volunteers that uh, uh, went down there to help clean up, what did they eat and how did they get handled?
2: Uh, I guess I'm not sure. Everybody there, that's that My shelter was a Red Cross volunteer. We're all and you were feeding
3: people <clears throat> from there.
2: Some, most of us were, were drivers feeding the people. There were some family services uh, CLS, is that what they call them? workers at our shelter as they closed up other shelters. More of those people came into our shelter. But then they would go to their area during the day and look at the client. Most of these pictures are uh, when the 17th levee broke. Um, the guy was driving there <coughs> I don't know. This is a guy who taught me how to drive a bonnet truck. And this was piles of garbage. It was like just, it was like a block wide, and I don't know how many blocks long, just piles of garbage. It was terrible. Constant on the highway, just all these nice guys hauling trash, and I don't know what to do with it
3: all. Uh. You were there, Gene, how long after the actual hurricane? Were you there? And then, Janet, you were there, what, two weeks later? But how long after the actual?
1: Five to six weeks. Now the uh, Baptist church where I stayed, the Louisiana State Patrol was being housed and they had uh, New York police repaying Louisiana for when they came and helped them at 9-11 there. And so, um, now this is five to six weeks after and the only thing that those people from New York were doing was when they got a call Going out in with body bags and bringing in the dead bodies for them. Yes. Six weeks after, and you know it's 90 degrees most days. I mean, it was there wouldn't yeah. be too much to put in they the body were, bag.
2: They were still sending bodies.
1: Yeah, but uh, New York has you know has been all over the country repaying the other units. It's just like the light companies from all over. Light companies gave up a truck or two, that, you know, that put them a little bit in the vine, but still was able to help them down there because they had miles and miles and miles of trees to clear back so that they could put new wires in. Well, like even this one in Florida, was it three weeks? From the time it hit before your brother got lights back? Yeah. Yeah, when Wilma went through, no, it wasn't Wilma. Yeah, it wasn't.
2: That last one. Yeah went way. through
1: Florida I mean they just get done one place and then they've got some like else to clean up and they were without
2: satellites for well over two weeks yeah. all the trees that were down were all lined up get it when I saw the last time you know it was three weeks and
1: it sounded
2: that the street one, at Davis. yeah um, <laughs> they had most of these, of these other pictures I said was 800, like 800, below where the levee broke mm-hmm. um, this is like uh, the levee, or the canal, but where the, it's like a cement wall on both sides, but that one spot is where it broke. And then most of these were like pictures from around that. Uh, like there'd be boats in the street, uh, yet. Um, like we were down in New Orleans, one of the last days we were down there. They have like medians in the middle of the roads, like one road goes one way and the other. The medians are just full of these flooded out cars. It was, it's terrible. They just pushed them there because they didn't know, you know, what to do with them or where to go with them
3: yet. But uh, how does I, it work now? Who told, who told you guys what to do? You know, does the, the FEMA then farm it out to the churches, or and then the Red Cross help coordinates with the churches, or how does this whole network work?
1: Well, each uh, like the Red Cross has to set up centers where they're going to help. Uh, places that are willing to house their people and uh probably it worked now you probably all drove your herb back to where you were staying at night right? <coughs> did you yeah you drove it back to the
2: shelter yeah uh but fema had nothing to, fema uh-uh. and red cross do not work together They're total separate. They, they share know. information but the me, so. No. I mean because uh-uh. these people these different
3: groups I did southern Baptist, and they cooking and they figured off anything we're doing with
2: They always come
1: they in and do the cooking. That's the the job yeah, they, they always take. Yeah. 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 They'd
3: lots of thousands of those kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they they do so much clean up, clean up, clean up. You'll see uh, you know, high school age kids that took a week off of school. Maybe one of their dads came with them, and so on. And they'll be, say, a crew of six or eight. They're going to work for a week, and they'll just take scrub buckets and disinfectant and rags and go in and just, they'll go through a building in no time and just pour out every room.
3: So you you both mentioned the Southern Baptists. Is that is this just a, a mission that their church? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they. Yeah. they uh, what do I want to say? It?
1: When you know they're there, you know you're going to have water, you're going to have lights, because they have big power generators. They're, you're going to have food. And they often say they'll volunteer to cook. And then uh, the Red Cross distributes some of the food that they cook. Yeah, so the Red
2: Cross bought the food. They cooked it. You, 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 you. But the Baptists are
3: very dedicated people. Yes, they don't even sit there them, always them. But it's just an area where their church really... You know for for missions or out I mean they just that's, that's kind of, the kind of thing
1: they do, to help. and they yeah. they pay their own way they'll come from any... well, you know there were some there from montana that were were Baptist, but they were in this part of the mission work, and they'd come down there and then somebody's in charge of the setup for the Baptists and they set it all up the way they wanted.
3: well then gene you you get the feeling then after being there and seeing things like this one you get the feeling that the Baptists... uh People have a little money to work with and money to spend and, and well
1: finances they bought yeah you know the the basic generators and the equipment and things yeah, and like if, you know they get lots of things given to them too when people know that they're willing to do this kind of thing, like the food that they served for us we paid for, but they cooked it and had it ready to be served, and put it in the Camrose and uh do you uh,
3: have any feeling about FEMA, the, what they were doing down there? I know up here in Iowa, they had the flood of Elkhorn and Garber, and they say the people over there are still making payments on the houses that they had bought, which FEMA had promised to buy. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know how that, that
1: works, we, You know, we just don't really have any contact with them other than a few of them were staying in that Baptist church and, and were working for FEMA. Early on, we have uh, Peter Tien in the our chapter in Cedar Rapids, is one of the initial uh, core workers, and he's an undertaker. And he goes along with, I think there's a team of probably about 10. But they fly over the area and they decide where the spot is to set up a headquarters. Now this turned out so big we had a the headquarters in Baton Rouge and then before I left they set up one in Covington or was it Covington? Yeah. And because I mean how much paperwork can one place handle? You know, they had they had more paperwork in there at that point than any disaster had ever handled. So they cut off the paperwork to that headquarters and set up another headquarters. I heard them setting up another headquarters and I thought, well, this is strange, but I see now why because, you know, how much paperwork, they're they going to be bottled up with paperwork, all they can handle for a month, let alone more coming.
2: Yeah, the vet headquarters of that news is where I went to when I went down and I felt blessed because I got down, my plane got there about noon. I was to headquarters at one. We had an orientation at 2. I was to my shelter by about 4 or 5 o'clock that night, and I was at work the next day. You heard stories from people that went down there and sat at headquarters for over a week because they didn't know where to send them. It's like right.
1: They got too many people there, and they weren't set up yet, knowing, well, we can house this many people here, therefore we can send, you know. But here they were with all these people before they really had the thing rolling. I flew into Dallas, and that afternoon Rita was going to strike, and so they canceled my flight on over to Baton Rouge. So I went to my brother-in-law's in Dallas to spend the night. He ended up falling, cutting his head open, and spending the night in the hospital. So I let myself into his house and back out again. Never did even see him. The next day we got to the airport, and we were supposed to fly at nine. Rita was still blowing and so they said we'll fly at noon. So we waited three more hours. And then we flew over to Baton Rouge and we circled the airport an hour and a half. The wind was too high, With 45 knots, they flew us back to Dallas. Spent <laughs> another night. So, you know, Janet said that's the way it's supposed to work, but it doesn't always work that way.
3: Were either one of you concerned safety-wise or were the people, the people that you were helping were they all were they all uh willing to take the help or were some of them you know tell us about the attitude of the people.
1: Had. Uh most of the people were downright friendly, just like they are around here. You know. Uh when you have to tell somebody they didn't qualify, you kinda of wonder, you know, how they take it, because just like around here. Some people take bad news well and other people don't. But, you know, you have to tell a few okay, we had um 14 or 17 pages of zip code numbers that all were qualified as disaster areas. So all we had to do was look to see if the address, their pre-disaster address was on those zip code lists. Normally it's not that big. And so normally damage assessment is going out and going up and down streets. And so if they give you their street address, we have an assessment on their house because damage assessment precedes family service. Well, this, there was no way they could. And so, if you were on that 14 pages of zip code, then you qualified for service. Okay, um, they had to have their pre-disaster address. Now, if you just recently got a driver's license, that would be right. You know, your driver's license and your photo ID. You had to have a photo ID. But, you know... Like here, licenses are good for up to six years, and a lot of people move in six years' time. Okay, then you just had to have something that had, like, a utility bill or something that showed that you actually did live in that zip code that you claimed you lived in. And most people would come up with something, but there would be a few. Now, I had one old, older man, uh, you can go into Walmart and get your photo taken and stick it on a card and write your address on the card, you know. And the, the thing he showed us was from 1998. That's how beat up the thing was. And I couldn't accept that as a current photo ID. And But um, most people knew. Like our parking lot was on a major uh, street where we set up. And we could get a 1,000 cars in the parking lot. And they'd start lining up at 10 at night. We had oh, 28 to 31 lines of cars on that parking lot. And they'd be lining up, they'd open it at 10 at night and as soon as the parking lot was full then they'd shut it off because otherwise people would be backing up traffic on that main street. And for three days we had to empty the ball. Well. We'd start at nine in the morning and by noon we'd be done with the parking lot. Well then they'd wait and do the same thing and after three days they were able to leave the parking lot open. Uh, round, there'd be rooms for people to pull in in some way or another and as they came into the parking lot people checked at the gate to make sure they had the right kind of identification that they needed so nobody would sit there for six hours and then didn't have uh, the right thing to prove who they were and where they lived but we had National Guard with guns crating back and forth on that parking lot and if you wanted you could have walkie talkie so if you were Anybody gave you static, if you could say, just a minute, and back away from them, and the National Guard would be there in ten seconds. Of course, you could be shot dead by them, but you didn't give it a thought. I mean, they did find, uh, if the National Guard checked cars the first night or two, and they took guns away from, but it was women with kids that had come to sit in those cars all night, and it was for their own protection. They brought their gun along. And so... When they left, then they came back to them, but um, then it wasn't, you No, know, you never really felt any danger of any sort. Most people were really happy, you know, to get whatever they could.
2: Um, we were serving the food, and, you uh, know, they always told us, you know, safety first. You know, we are going to make sure you stay. If we're not going to do anything, it isn't. And when they first talked about going to New Orleans, they said, okay, they tried it. Uh, the first serve that went in there it was kind of a trial thing. And uh, they said, okay, the people, I wasn't one of those people, but the people that went out that day had to take, have an extra pair of clothes sitting outside our shelter and an extra pair of shoes so that when they came back, they took off their shoes, went to the shower, showered, and, you know, bagged up their clothes that they were in New Orleans with because of all this, you know, ashes and whatever were floating around. But, um, by the time I got to New Orleans, they said, no, everything, Dead, you know, it's safe to go in. Um, I know there was one of the days we were down there, they pulled an herb out of the area because there was a gunshot and police all over, so they pulled that herb out of there right away because they didn't want to put any red cross people in danger. But as far as people coming up and getting food, everybody, most people were just, you know, so thankful. We were there to serve them. Um, They said, you know, if they come up for food, you give them a meal, you know. Even if it looks like they don't need it, you give them a meal. We don't infuse anybody. And uh, there was some complaints about well, all these construction workers that are down there getting paid or coming and getting meals. And they said, well, we don't know all those circumstances. You know, if they come up, you give them a meal. But, um, there was a times after you serve, after you have a, the thing open for four hours, it's not supposed to be servable anymore. <clears throat> so there was times you when know, we had the food in it but you hated to throw it away, but a lot of food at times get thrown away, but um, if it got close, you'd go to this one parking lot at CVS, and uh, everybody knew that the herb was there at night, and you'd get rid of it. Um, I guess somebody was saying there was one time, a couple times, they took their food over to a hotel that all these Mexicans were working on, and they just put it... I'll take it out of the bag, out of the camera, put it in the rubber box and it sit there. And they'll okay, you know, get it. Which I thought was better
3: than something that was. You said about the parking lot full of cars. I mean, what about people that didn't get to the end? We had a motorcycle go through. We had a
1: semi without the, the rear end on, just the cab, you know, in line. Well, they had had a chance to go... To the, uh, we did the lot, at the Lions Club in Kenner, we did all the city officials and stuff the day before. You know, it's really sad. A man in his suit, he's a lawyer and he's lost his home and he's lost his business, both. You know, he's, you know, they say, I never thought I'd ever ask for help. You know, who would, you know. But, uh, there was just all kinds of people. It's not just poor people. Everybody and anybody gets help. Everybody gets help. It's just a gift from the
3: American people. Okay, there were a
1: lot of people that came through with two or three different families in a car. Yeah, they brought people through in vehicles, and they see later they would set up in a building someplace. Then you could you know walk in. There were a lot of centers that were set up that were just, uh, there was a hotel where I was at and worked in uh, Baton Rouge, and people would be lined up five wide, and we had, oh, 25 or 30 tables, and you'd get uh, six people, and I took five people, because I sat here, and I could have one beside me on each side and three over there, but people grab a form, and what do you do first thing? You see name, and you start writing your first name. Well, unfortunately, the form is last name first. So I wanted to be here in the middle so I could say, you know, see what they were doing and try to keep ahead of them because people are eager when they finally have waited to fill this out, and the first thing they do is put Gene Maurer. Oh, oh, I put Gene where it says, well, you know, and just. But I, I, we did five people at a time. Now normally you're doing a one-on-one when you do things like that. But from the parking lot, what we were doing then. Uh, they would get a check mailed to them. And a family of five was the maximum. You can have ten in your family, but as far as the Red Cross is concerned, the full allotment is five, you know. A family of one, two, three, four, or five. But anything beyond five was still, five was considered the maximum amount that you would get. Okay, they have most. This is five, six weeks. They're living someplace or staying someplace. They, they, they So, not necessarily the address that they
2: showed
3: as their residence.
2: Right. The pre disaster
1: address goes on here. And then we mailed, some were mailed back there because people were back. Others were mailed to a hotel. There were a few that went to Arkansas, and to Texas in different places.
2: What do you see, uh, what's the need now, and what what would have been
1: causing what you need for these people? Money to keep it running. Uh, As far as, you know, people think they'll bring a, a load of blankets or stuff. Well, there was somebody in Delhi set up that was collecting a load of stuff to take down. It's really hard to get things like that to the people that need it. The Walmart down there, when I was there for a while, was only open from 9 till 2. And then they it took the rest of the time for them to get stuff out because people would be coming in and they needed clothes, towels, and so on. And it was, you know, normally you see stuff out on shelves. They had got to the fact that they were just cutting the top out of the box, you know, and like they do, and, you know, stick a tag on it and... They didn't really get stuff all totally shelved because people were re-getting the things that they lost and needed. They weren't even able to stay open a whole day because their uh, stock would get down, you know, even if... And there were lots of... Well, like in Kenner, I would say probably only you know, an eighth of the businesses to a quarter were open. Yeah. When you were there, did it yeah, open yeah. up any more than that? I mean, you just drive for a block, and there wouldn't be anything open.
2: Yeah, a lot opened up while I was there, but yeah, when we first got there, there was nothing open. And a lot of these people that came, like, to these parking lots like, to get a meal, you know, well, there's no other place to eat, and no, these places are open. Um, there was one place called Jazz, mm-hmm. Um yeah. I guess if you went there to eat at night, you didn't about two hours, and, we didn't, and then we got a table, and we sat there another two hours before you got
1: served. Now we were lucky. On our day off, we ate there, and we got right through at noon. Yeah. During the noon hour, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Okay, you, you work for seven days, and then you're supposed to have a day off. So if you were there three weeks, that would mean you'd have two days off during that time. And we went down into New Orleans on our day off. The Mississippi is a lot wider down there than it is here in Iowa. And the bridge is much, I mean, we've got a little dinky bridge over here compared to the big old double bridge that there is down there. Uh We spent oh, a little over a half an hour crossing the Mississippi down there <laughs> because look, the traffic was thick, too. It wasn't that long of a bridge. But everything is built up so much higher because you know, they know they're going to get water and floods. You know how we have the raised highways where you go up over here? Well, the main one that you ride on has probably got you cocked up mm-hmm. a lot higher because there's a lot of swamp land. Mm-hmm. You know, you drive down through some of it, and here's these old mangy trees sticking up with nothing but swampy water on both sides, and that was natural. It's so the way it always was there. The uh Atchafa what do you, Atchipa, how do you say? It? What's the name of that? Do you remember that swamp highway? Did you go down there? Uh, then one day we drove over to um, the Cajun Dome and took a load of paper supplies on and pulled up in front and the National Guard got us through and up to where we needed to get to unload. And a local volunteer came and took a look at what we had and said, What you got here? We ha- we aren't using anything like that. We don't want this. And I said, Well, we were sent to New Orleans with it. I think you better go inside and check with somebody that... Knows maybe. Well, sure enough, they were going to start using these forms, but
2: did you cross I Canada at all going to
1: Yeah, yeah, that took a while.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, we got up early one day, so four of us got in this car. We were going to go over. I thought, let's go over to Biloxi, Mississippi, because that's supposed to be finished. So we started in that I ten, and I ten. Half the bridge was destroyed in the hurricane, so it's like one lane going this way one lane coming this way across this big waterway so at 5 o'clock at night you go like this (laughs) so we didn't make it to Mississippi but we made it to Slidell we couldn't find a decent place to eat
1: Lake Pontchartrain uh, the bridge is 24 miles long and there's two lanes of traffic going one way on one bridge and then over here about the width of the bridge is two lanes coming back this way And there was, I think, eight places that you could turn around if you got partway across and changed your mind. But people drove right across the center of that lake. They say it's the longest bridge in the world, uh, 24 miles, across the center of that lake. And that puts you on the verge of where this new center, Covington, was going to be set up on the opposite end.
2: I never made it cross
1: that bridge. I wanted to, but I remember make it. The gal that I uh, befriended from Michigan had been born in uh, Metairie, which is a suburb down there in Louisiana. She'd only lived there uh, a year or two when she was small, but she had had uh, she had aunts and she had uh, nieces and nephews now that lived down there, and so. One on a weekend, they took us on a Saturday night. I mean, you talk about seafood. They brought trays like you carry cafeteria trays, piled with lobster and shrimp. I never saw such a bunch of seafood as they were serving. But uh, all the people were real friendly and hospitable, and all the Red Cross people are. You see somebody with a Red Cross shirt or identification and you start talking to them Uh outside of headquarters you never took your luggage and stuff into headquarters so when you came you parked it it was uh an abandoned walmart so the garden center area would have the screen or the wire caged in you know like where the garden stuff is and so inside of those was where then we had our own security there watching the pile when i first got there there wasn't any security there The gal I was with, I don't know how this happened, but she put her purse down with our luggage. When we got inside, and about an hour later, she realized, where is my purse? And we tracked all over any place we had been in that room. She canceled her punch card and everything else. We went to work at the hotel for the day. We came back at night, and we were moving to a new spot, went out to pick up our luggage, and here sits her purse beside
3: the luggage. (laughs) Been there all day, and here she'd been in a knot
1: all day, thinking, I've lost my purse. I have a purse sewn to the inside of my bra, and that's where I carry my money, so I don't have to worry about losing it. (laughs) I've always carried my Red Cross funds that way.
2: Um, I guess one of the most, my most memorable moments down there is the first day we were in New Orleans went down to the garden district we were in front of this church uh, we were going to serve meals there around the time and uh, first I was outside the earth because there wasn't anybody there yet and and I was just kind standing outside there and this lady comes up and she can't talk and she can't hear it and uh wow. <laughs> I know a little funny <laughs> But she spelled out she had to file an application, and I got that. And she showed me the sheet of paper they had given her Said she was supposed to go to this place on St. Charles. Well, we were on St. Charles Street, but she was supposed to go to St. Charles Parish, which I had no idea where that was. So I said, well, who told you <laughs> to go there? So then she started spelling out this word, and I said, um, E-L-I-E-I-E-R-A-L-E-I-E-R-A-L-E-I-R-A-L-E-R-A-L-E-R-A-L-E-R-A-L-E-R-A-L-E-R-A-L-E-R-A-L-E-R-A-L-E- Gee, and I thought, <laughs> she so. So finally, we got out paper and pencil and she wrote out, you know, she was at Algiers and she was supposed to go to this place. So then uh, we had the, the minister come out from the church and another guy was there and they were telling her, well, that's quite a ways from here. You know, they told her there's a center down here on Jefferson Street or there's one over here on another street. And uh, she said she needed a cab. And they said, well, that was going to be difficult. But it said there's free buses. So then uh, she finally got yeah, figured out what she was going to do, I guess. So I had to say, I'm so sorry. I'm bad at signing. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> I turned around to my earth and I started crying. <laughs> but, and now I got a note in my little book there. The gal that was with me that day, she said, that was... She remembered that so well, too, that day. She was so many <laughs> But um, there are a couple pictures of the Mississippi River in there. Um, some of the pictures from my shelter. And the cemeteries down there, you don't bury people in the ground. <laughs> They're above ground. So there's quite a few pictures of cemeteries and some of the French Quarter. And my one day off, when we first got there, they were saying, you know, yeah, you're supposed to get a day off in seven days. Well, then they posted it. Now you got to wait nine days because we were shorthanded. So I, I did take one day off went down at the French Quarter. The National Guard were down there pretty heavy. You know. I thought, okay, I've seen <laughs> got my picture taken under the Bourbon Street sign. <laughs> <laughs> well. you
3: know, was uh, the downtown really destroyed that much? Was there any uh, concept of the narrow streets down there?
2: Uh, French Quarter it wasn't bad. There was a lot of places that had been closed and hadn't opened up yet. A lot of the restaurants had started to open up down there. They weren't flooded bad like, like down in the Ninth Ward, New Orleans and stuff. Um, but, uh.
3: I know when we were there. There
2: was still some there that had a
3: lot of cleaning up between. There were two cars that couldn't pass on the street. Oh, yeah. The streets yeah. street yeah. are really and narrow. narrow on the sidewalk.
1: Bourbon and Canal Street are all narrow and deep. But they really didn't get a lot of water in there. So. Ninth
2: I made it to ninth ward my last working day there. Uh, I was in a box truck, so they we were riding around trying to supply the earth with water or anything else they needed. And, uh, but they had warned us, you know, no cameras, no taking pictures of clients or their houses. So, by that time they were saying if we see anybody with a camera, we're going kind to of confiscate it. So I didn't take mine with me. But we were done in Ninth Ward. And that was the worst hit area. And uh, I saw a sign, St. Paul's Eastern Church. Oh, and I thought, oh, should I wish I would have had my camera. And and I would have made the guy turn around and go down there if I if I did. But, so I don't know what kind of shape that was in, but that was done in
1: You kind of got immune to just piles of rubbish because it was all over. Yeah. I mean, you look at rubbish for 24 hours, two days, you know, and pretty soon you're just driving by rubble and... You're not saying oh my anymore because it's all the same for miles.
2: Down in the French quarter there was one storefront that was boarded up yet and it says I have a, or I am here and I have a gun. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> a warning, Any booters, you know, yeah. don't come here. Yeah. like
1: <clears throat> uh over like in Slidell on the garages it was maybe you know, they have sprayed on family okay or um maybe it's a uh gone to Texas or something because those people left for, you know, three, four, five weeks and we're just finally getting back into there.
2: Yeah, I know there's a car in one of those, his, where they, it has, they said that on TV, too, where they exit the houses and the number at the bottom was how many dead were found, you know, but I you know there's one of those cars in the picture has one of those. They searched everything and afterwards. And like down in New
1: Orleans, like, in uh, St. Bernard, and. And uh, the 13th, they're still finding. And can you imagine this is much, much, much after the fact?
2: You girls are to be commanded for all
3: you've mm-hmm. done. special.
2: It's always an
1: experience, isn't it? Awesome. And each one is so different.
2: I do it get in. Heart, okay? Yeah. I, really you know. I mean, not that I want to see the dust <laughs> <you> we <know.
1: laughs> Well, just look what Kentucky and. Illinois, all yeah. the tornadoes and stuff that we're getting. Well, Iowa even
2: here just in the last few weeks again. Yeah. Way out of season, but being hit again. Some of the people, the shelter I was at, um, we're going to go home for a couple of days break and then go to Florida. Mm-hmm. Then we've had, when I was leaving, a couple more people were coming in that had been there three weeks. i home for a couple of weeks. and coming back. Thought, yeah, if I didn't have a job and a family I'd, I'd come back. That's like.
3: How did they with Red Cross? Did they do they call you and say and say, can you go
1: this time? Yeah. Or, or well, sometimes
3: you call them and say, I I I I want to go this time, or how did? Yeah, they
1: yeah. You have a choice whether you go or not. Uh, they're they're looking for a lot of a certain thing. They may call you whatever you're qualified for. Dean and I were both going to go back to Florida here, but he has one more class today. He had taken one night of it, and he hadn't taken the second night, and it actually turned out to be the day he went in and had surgery. And so we didn't go back, but we were going to go to Florida. I didn't. But you have your choice. You you train in what area that you want to work in, whether it's mass care, whether you're working with handing out food and handing out uh cleanup kits and, well, this one woman said I uh, this was in I think the Cajun Dome and they were handing out towels. New white towels. And this lady says, Don't you have anything in color? She says, I felt like slapping her <laughs> You know, I mean how fucking can you get? <laughs> If you're having something given to you that, and criticized that it's not the right color, I mean, most people are not that way, you know. Most of you would take a white towel willingly if you needed a towel. But, uh, you know, you get stuff handed to you so long, it's just like meal. If you're sitting there in one of those, the, uh, Mayor Negan was being criticized because he was making the rounds of these shelters and telling them they're going to close them. Well, people had a roof over their head, and they had food put in their hand. Why move? This is fine, you know. And they weren't making any bones, and then they're complaining that six weeks later we're going to close this down. Well, what are we to do? Well, they hadn't made any bones to do, and a lot of people did, you know, like you normally would. After you've adjusted, you see what comes next and what you can do and where you can go, but... A certain percent were quite happy as long as they were being fed and had a roof over their head.
3: After heads. a while, Gene, do you get the feeling that
1: maybe some of these people haven't ate so good in a long time, huh? Well, <laughs> we had, I, one lady, um, she was very much in need, and we had, the brought meals in to the Lions Club the day that we were working there, <coughs> and um, we had some oranges and apples, putting some in a bag, and she just drank the carton of orange juice. Oh, but I don't eat oranges. Now, if you really need something, are, are you that choosy? You know, if you like orange juice, you don't like an orange. Does that exactly hang together, you know? I had a girl that went through, and she had her, mo- her grandmother, her mother, her live-in, a child, and herself. That made up her family of five. And she slipped and said that she was a college student. And I said, do you live in a dorm? Yes, I live in a dorm. I said, well, you can't apply for all these people to get aid, you know. Oh, but on the weekend, I go home, and they live with me uh Thursday, or Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, the rest of the time. And I said, your, mo- your mother or your grandmother wouldn't have applied. I said, you know, this is going into the computer. And if their name comes up, that they're already, well, maybe you better cross mother off. But keep grandma, grandma's mine. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you you could just almost tell. There are people that wouldn't look up at you. You'd be filling out their thing, maybe sitting there like this in their car, you know, and you you think, well, there's some reason that they don't feel real comfortable about this. (laughs) And then the other extreme, like the lawyer who... It was out of his noon break, and he, he says, I have no place for my business, and I, our home is gone. They were living with some relatives out of it. Yeah. Most people were very, just like anybody around here would be, if you really needed something and somebody was offering it to you, glad to take it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, there was a guy that came up in a suit and got a meal on, and I don't know, somebody mentioned it back of the shelter, was talking about it, and they said, yeah, they talked to him, you know, that's all he had. <laughs> you know, we lost everything else. But um, most people were really to in the meals. We had, you know, a few incidents uh, come up. The silverware was packaged up like with a napkin. Well, that one day it was just a napkin, of fork, and a knife, salt and pepper. And we were serving chili. So they had this guy with this, this thing of chili, and the utensils, for me says, well, where's a spoon? Well, we don't have a spoon, but he's tossed
1: was too 200? It could have been 200.
2: Yeah. You got hugs from people. It was great.
3: <laughs> but as a whole, you were pretty, I mean, it was quite an experience.
1: Every day something happened.
3: <laughs> I think that's awful nice that you could, uh, do that and uh, took the time and followed to do it. I think that's uh, pretty crazy.
1: Thank you very much. Well, I just
2: thank the Lord I had the opportunity to do so. Man, I they were and now you'll be
1: ready to go again right away, <laughs> won't you? Life <laughs> not for a year.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, these three weeks gets a little long. How
2: many
1: times? Three. So we're going to go together and go herbs. Herbs go first. When they know of something coming, they anticipate, you know, possibly, and they may get uh, 30 or 40 chapters lined up for the first people that go out in mass care would uh, take the herb. And then when the thing is, our herb will stay down there as long as they need it. And then when there's somebody coming back to Iowa, rather than flying them back, they'll say, okay, you get to drive the herb home. That's
2: and what then. I want to do someday. Mm-hmm. An herb. Yeah. There was 30 herbs at this place that so I had in my lap, and I kept looking around and an Iowa herb here. No <laughs> <laughs> an Iowa herb. No, but I down. know ours is down there. Yeah. So.
1: We had a very old one for, oh, a long, long time. And probably about two years ago, we got a brand new one. So everybody, you know, when our earth comes back, we look it over to make sure that it's got a big dent someplace that nobody bothered to get fixed. I mean, there's, you know, accidents happen. um, And there's people that all they do is deal with insurance to get those sorts of things straightened out. Yeah,
2: there's a gouge earth Yeah. you're not supposed to back and look at the doors open. Well, the, the, the gal with her said, oh, you're okay, back up, back up. Well, she crazy' this guy's car with just the hinge off the back of the door to see this guy's car. Back, door, guy's car. Well, turns out this guy was a paraplegic. And so then the, the word was at the same. She ran over a, a <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dean, I how does this
1: compare with 911? I mean, as far as what you did. I drove an herb in, in New York. I went Irv that time. And this time I was family service. And so, I don't know, it's just... It is, an Irv isn't much longer. It's about the size of an ambulance. And uh, it's not much longer than your pickup, is it, Dean? Mm-hmm. About 10 inches or so. You, always say, you can get the pickup in there, you can get the Irv in there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but...
1: Um, when you're out with the earth, now, you load up cases of snacks and uh, things, and then you'll get a regular route, like you'd be leaving off cases of fruit and uh, cases of snacks, bottled water, all that kind of stuff, and you might have eight or ten places a day that you had to. You drive your herb into the big old warehouse, and you make a list of categorized everything that you've loaded aboard, and then when you come back, the, the stuff that you have aboard goes in a different pile. And anybody can take that, because that stuff has already been counted as having gone out. But you have to keep track of how many snacks you serve, you know. And it's individual packets of uh, cookies or chips or whatever. So you whoever's when I drove the Earth. I made the guy, there's always three in an hour, at least there was in New York. Did you ever use that, three? Yeah. four. Yeah. And the person that's over here uh, runs the map. And I was with a guy from uh, the University of Wisconsin and he was terrific with math and so he said okay two more blocks you're going to turn that way You know, and he would read these things and tell me where to go exactly <laughs> the gal in the back I put in charge of the load and so she had to keep a list of what all we put in and then see at the end of the day they can say we serve this many meals we serve this many snacks so on from whatever and the uh, same way when we finish a day of family service we can say we served this many families, which included this many people, and we gave away this many dollars. And we were doing over a million dollars a day in Louisiana. But over ten million didn't last
3: a I
2: think a lot of the food down there well, um wise I think was donated at first, but by the time I left they were buying it. And like um you know, at first, you know, they go out and neighborhood and everybody gave the water. Well, it got to the point where our water was diminishing in the supply. And I says, okay, we get one hot meal, one bottle of water, one cent and that's it. And uh, some are complaining, well, why are we hoarding it here, you know? The Lord says, don't hoard it for uh, the food. And they uh, had a guy at a shelter that, you know, was kind of pushing it. Give it all away right now. And it's like, um, I didn't think too much about that, but he got in trouble with the yard guy. Anyway, uh, he wanted to pull out another little pack, um, case of bread to give this one urban. I said, no, there's hot dog buns right here. Well, oh, they're having cold meat sandwich, folks. You can put meat on a hot dog bun. I said, these buns have to be used or they're going to be stale. And you know, I'll go stale, you know, let's use them while we can't. And so he thought, okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and the warehouse
1: would get, from day to day, the food warehouse would have, when they know where it's at, Uh, companies like Nestle, they come in, you know, with cases, thousand cases of whatever it was. And the stuff that was available was always changing. Because a lot of the packaged items like cookies and chips and so on, Fritos, Frito-Lay, and some of those companies, you know, they bring a semi in and unload it there, so. Your supply is constantly changing of what's available. You may have gobs of bags of little peanuts today and you won't be able to find one in the warehouse tomorrow. Because <laughs> you, <know.
3: laughs>
1: you can load... How many meals did they tell you if you haul in your herb at once? They smell 600 you know. Okay. So 600 meals. And those are all tied down with straps to the two sides of the herb and then you have boxes all with... A lot of water.
2: We were overloading those herbs, they said, with all that of water. In the way of water
1: is getting. You had to account for where you left the thing that you left off. Uh, and you know how many meals you served from your herb landing. Now, like, I've been up here on the Mississippi when there was flooding at um, Marquette, and we would run over to El Cater and get our food from a restaurant. And then we'd run back up there right by the Mississippi Bridge at Marquette under that bridge right near the casino there where we would uh, serve out those meals at noon. (coughs) And like she said, it'd get too old, so we'd run across the bridge and we could give it away in Wisconsin because we were Iowa.
2: (laughs) So rather than, like she said, wasting it, we'd
1: go across the bridge and we could get rid of the rest of (laughs) it, even though we were, I mean, why dump it, you know? and then there were people that do nothing but walk up and down the lines i did a lot of that in new york too like when people are waiting in line to give their information and get the money there are people walk in the lines with boxes of snacks i know they took us away after about four hours at madison square garden because there was a job fair going on and there was even the people in there and here we when you take a small box the size of a pop flat you know but with a little more side on it. And there's hands reaching in from both sides, taking out of there, you know. Pretty soon the police said, this, is, mm, this might get banned, so they made us quit. But if they think there's, you know, any chance of trouble developing, they usually get us out of there. I don't really worry about not being safe. I figure if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to die. It was <laughs> Our shelter had guards. They
2: weren't National Guard, but they were hired in guards to start our shelter, you know, and you had to wear your badge, you could get in, and uh, they said, and the guard said, you know, if somebody's comes if you're cleaning out your herb at night, and you got some water left, and somebody pulls up with a car, you cannot give them water, you cannot give them a snack, because then the word gets out, oh, we can go there and get stopped, well, then they get bombarded, but um, you, you uh, at the kitchen, too, it's supposed to be the same thing, uh, a friend of mine she had somebody, a lady in a car, approach her there by the thing, and just wanted, wanted some water, and she knew she wasn't supposed to give it to her, but something in her heart told her, no, I've got to give her some water, so she wouldn't get a case, but the crack a water and gave it to her, she turned around the garbage Gargesson, and she said, I'm in trouble, I'm in mean, trouble, but she said, I had to do that, and after she gave the gal the water, you know, out crying. and, you just. Know, you know, she didn't know what else to do. Yeah, you don't think of water as
1: being a big item, you know. We I water all my flowers I want to. I probably run twice as much in the shower some days as you should. But when water becomes an item, when you got to have it to drink, you don't realize, you know. I see people drinking bottles of water and think, what a waste, you can run it out of the faucet. But, you know, when you can't run it out of the faucet, it becomes an item, an important item. Thank you
3: very much for sharing this morning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now it's time for The Product the Suggestion, suggestion of, the of, the of the Week. In a previous podcast, we heard about a catechetical curriculum that teaches about church history, but that curriculum was written for adults. I'd like to see a church history curriculum, starting with the Book of Acts and ending with present time, geared toward about 4th through 6th grade. Let's show our kids not only the heritage they've inherited, but how it applies today. If possible, throw in some PowerPoint or reference some movie clips or something like that to keep it interesting. If you have a website, put the URL in your SIG line. In your email application, go to your preferences or options and find signatures. Put your name there and position as applicable, But make sure you add your website address as well. And when you put it down, don't just put www, but add in the HTTP colon slash slash before it. By doing so, you make that link clickable in most email applications so that people will see it there as a link and be able to just click on it instead of copying and pasting. Once you add this link to your emails, watch your traffic rise. It's the best free advertising you can get for a website. This podcast is brought to you free of charge. That said, my wife and I are hoping to adopt an orphan or two from Ethiopia, hopefully by the end of 2006, to give them a Christian home, and are raising money to make that possible. If you would like to help make that happen, you can make a donation, purchase through our affiliate links, or send us your used inkjet cartridges. You can find more information at www.myheartsjoy.com, and while any and all help is appreciated, you're under absolutely no obligation. I'm happy to make this available to all regardless, and appreciate you listening. Next week on Lutheran Weekly, we have Carol Goldfish, a deaconess who also serves as a part-time chaplain with one of our previous guests, Chaplain Harold Shear. She'll talk about what a deaconess does and doesn't do. No, they're not pushing for women's ordination. Check back next week to hear more about Diakonia. Well, that closes the book on another Lutheran Weekly. Remember that you can post comments on our forums at lcmspastor.com slash forum and ask questions of upcoming guests. Your questions will be read on the air during the interview. If you'd like to leave a voicemail to be aired on the show, you may call 206-339-7909 to leave a message. Thank you, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.